1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Taylor Raglan, who does sports for Plano, Allen, and Lake Cities, as well as Kendrick Johnson, who's the sports editor for the McKinney Courier Gazette. And gentlemen, let's talk high school baseball. The postseason begins on Thursday. This is actually the last, uh, the last UIL sport for the 2017-18 school year mm-hmm. to begin its postseason. So, nothing but playoff games, and then some spring football later on this month. So, uh, we're almost in the clear. Just about a month left to Summer mode, but nevertheless, let's uh, you know let's focus on some high school baseball. We're going to kind of adopt the same structure that we did last week as we were previewing the high school softball playoffs. We're going to go six a today, and then five a on Thursday. And since we have representation from Plano, Allen, and McKinney, it makes only uh, makes perfect sense to just uh, focus this first part on the five six a versus six six a by district matchups. We've um, so the matchups are all official. We settled the uh, sure enough six six a had the, had an expected chaotic finish. We had to have some seating games over the uh, over the weekend, but we do know the order. It's going to be um, Allen's the district champion out of right. 6-6-A. And then your two seed's going to be Plano West... By virtue of uh, so, so, Plano West uh, they beat Plano on Saturday in a seeding. Then what a four coin two, flip! What right? a coin flip! Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. a very anticlimactic Classic. finish to that. But, um, so McKinney Boyd's going to be the three seed. Plano's going to be the four seed. They know their first round matchups. And um, so let's see. It's going to be um, it's going to be Allen opening up against Byron Nelson, the four seed out of five six A. You have Plano West opening up against Marcus um, out of five six A, the three seed. McKinney Boyd begins with LD Bell, two teams that did not make the playoffs last season, and then you have a rematch. Um, in the first round between Plano and South Lake Carroll. Um, you know, guys, we I mean, we obviously followed 66A, you know, all season long, and I think there was kind of a uh, this this running perception. That this just there's so much parity in this district, and that anybody can mm-hmm. beat anybody. And we weren't entirely sure how that's going to translate to the playoffs. But I think when you look at both of these districts, you can kind of make a uh, there's a lot of stylistic overlaps in yeah. how these two districts materialized. Yep. I was just um, I was crunching some numbers uh, last night, just in preparation for this. Um, just as far just run differentials in district play. Just how convincing were these teams? you know, en route to the playoffs. South Lake Carroll, the district champion Southlake Carroll, one of the most credential teams in the entire state. They made the state semifinals last year. They're accustomed to deep playoff runs every season. They had a run differential of only plus forty five in five six A this year. Compare that to Allen, plus forty nine so while we were, hmm. you know, we were kind of a little, you know, not really sure what to make out of Allen. I mean, you I'm just still not sure what to yeah, about. no, 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 neither am I. <laughs> but then you've got like, you know, so Southlake Carroll they only had a a run differential four runs better than Marcus, which placed third. And then you have um, like you look at across these other uh, the four playoff teams in each district, all four playoff teams out of six, six A had run differentials in district of greater than twenty runs. Mm. Only two teams in 5-6A that made the playoffs, you know, Southlake and Marcus. You had like like Byron Nelson, the four seed out of 5-6A, their run differential was zero. <laughs> <laughs> they allowed they scored just as many runs as they gave up. So before you before you brush that off, you look at their series against first place Southlake, oh my and God, they got yeah. swept by scores of three to one and one to zero. Yep. So you can make a Case that both of these districts were just yeah. as balanced as the uh, as uh, as one another. So yeah, it's, it makes for a uh, which should be a pretty. Uh, you could have three potentially. All four of these series could be you know sneaky competitive yeah. let's um so let's just kind of uh yeah let's take a look at them one by one kendrick let's go with that uh, with mckinney boyd uh, yeah mm. making a uh, return to the playoffs in a team that i think coming into the year we were all at least collectively a little i mean, not sure how much boyd. boyd should be better not sure just to what extent but yeah. it turns out the broncos had uh once i mean they had a bit of a slow start but then they just caught fire yeah. Yeah.
2: that and the fact that they have a young roster like mm. the, most of their best players are sophomores and ever a uh, fr- freshman named tyler collins is awesome, awesome. dude's kind of reminded me of a little kitty lofton back in the okay. day like wow. Ooh, him, that's you, a lofty comparison. <laughs> you, uh, you see them hit a ball in gap, and he'll take a double, and, and it's a triple, mm-hmm. and then he'll put runner, um, pressure on the run base. But um, a key thing about them has been their pitchers, Jack mm-hmm. Hagen and Chad Brown, mm-hmm. have been dynamite. That was been, they kind of matured. Right when they started maturing, they started winning, so it went hand-in-hand. Hand. Mm-hmm. And they make the routine play, they're not going to beat themselves. The only thing is, like, you never know how kids are going to be at when they be on this stage for the first time. Right. So we'll be interested to see, can they take that take that. Um, momentum, and enthusiasm. they bet in the second half of the season and be ready for that stage. I think they are. They they're a very solid program. But this is like the beginning of Boyd like going on a run. Far as like being the consistent contender, mm-hmm. this, we, this team is legit. Were you surprised this team had the year that it did
1: and finished tied for second. Well,
2: with the, when you look at the yeah. roster, because because of the youth, they had to get their sophomores and their freshmen to mature, mm-hmm. and they're like legit, real deal. Like I think looking back on it, they're kind of they're they're mad that they at least be like going like like a top. For Allen, because they play Allen at the very beginning. Yeah. They played Allen last week. Yeah we, talking, yeah, we were talking about that last big week. Yeah, or we if they did the one-one um, like they do in softball, mm-hmm. it'd been a bit. it yeah. been a whole
3: different thing. Yeah. They were at least. Not, I, I would put money. They would have finished no one. Uh, yeah, lower than second. Because Allen swept. Allen sw- swept West. To begin. In That's right, right in the very beginning, and I think both of those series, you know, West and Boyd, would have turned out pretty differently had they been played at the back end of district as opposed to, you know, right from the jump. Yeah.
2: But Hagen and Brown, they throw strikes, they pound the strike zone and their defense makes plays behind them. That's all you can ask for at this level and put the pressure on the other team. Like the other day, they actually started off pretty lousy against um, McKinney and Crosstown Showdown. They were down 2-0. They kind of chipped away. They tied it up. Then Collins gets a double. Still third. They start putting that pressure on. It goes from 2-2 to 7-2. Game over with. Just right. like that that's what they do they, they thrive off that big inning
1: let's stick with um then plano west mm-hmm. um, you know taylor you uh you know you've seen this team quite a bit yeah, this I season another team that you know is making a that did not make the playoffs last season but wound up in this log jam for second place just mm-hmm. kind of what's your what's your read on plano west right now
3: they were weird all year <laughs> i mean we talk a lot about allen and kind of not understanding uh what kind of team allen is but but allen was on the right side of a lot of a lot of series and, and swept a lot of teams and found ways to win. And West did that toward the end of the year, but they were very up and down pretty much the entire way. Um, we mentioned the the Allen series. I think that would have probably gone differently had it happened later in the season. I think West kind of found its footing somewhere to avoid. Um, I don't know if West made a run like Boyd did because they were they were still winning games at the yeah. beginning of the year. They opened with a sweep of McKinney, uh, and looked really good. So they showed flashes of the team that they would kind of grow into early on. But I think I think the thing for West is um, they grew into that team, uh, and I think they are a. Um, I guess I guess mature is maybe a right, maybe a, a good word. Um, their pitching is is very mature in that um, they compete in the strike zone. They don't try to just blow people away. Jack Hatchup has really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If he's on, uh, he has the potential to, to you know strike out, strike out eight or nine guys. But a lot of what they do is just you know we're going to play defense. We're gonna we're going to compete in the strike zone and we're going to have timely hitting because they don't blow you away at the plate either, uh, which is something that I think. Um, Maybe a team like Geyer early in the year that didn't end up getting the playoffs kind of did every once in a while. Where a team like Plano does every once in a while. I don't, I don't know if West really has that. Okay, we're going to explode and, and beat you by you know fifteen or whatever. I don't know if they have that kind of offense. Um, but they they have a competitive offense. They compete on the mound and in their at bats. They have good at bats. You know every time I've seen them, you know they don't. Um, they don't go down easily as far as, as strikeouts. Mm-hmm. They put the ball in play. They have quality at bats. And I think 1 through 9, that's pretty true for them. So I think if they're going to be successful, it's going to be that same kind of mature approach mm-hmm. and, and kind of sticking to what they do and, and kind of rallying emotionally because they play with a lot of a lot of emotion. Uh, obviously a tough fall, um, yeah. losing Garrett Bruce and Denny Garber. So uh, I think that's something they've kind of rallied around. And, and you saw it after they clinched the playoffs, uh, several of them were, you know, going out to the wall and and you know talking to to Denny through his the memorial they have out there. So, you know, I think the the sky's the limit. You never know. And I think when I look at these four series, I even put that in, in my note. I feel like West and Marcus has the potential to be a really really fantastic series and, and maybe the best of the four.
2: One thing that I think is going to be key In all these series is It seems like the 5 6 eight guys Got the more power arms But the 6 6 eight guys have the more depth <laughs> And I, I don't like saying this but I've seen In every sport a f- umpire is going to be key in all these series yeah. just like officiating is yeah. key other than football officiating was key in every playoff I watched even soccer a bad call cost Boyd a mm-hmm. shot so how they call these games will be really
3: have yeah. to put well, the pressure and the response but, too, is part of it because a lot of teams you know you get in the playoffs everything's heightened the emotions are heightened the stakes are heightened and then you go out in your first inning and Jack Hattrop's on the mound and he's not getting the call and then you either implode and, and get frustrated and, and let it get to you, or you you know you continue to, to battle, which I think West mm-hmm. has done all season. They were so up and down; it was so crazy. I don't I don't know off the top of my head if the streak or how long the streak extended, uh, if they ended up splitting with anybody, but for a while there was literally you know sweep get swept, sweep get swept. So just for them to kind of come out on the other side of that too, I think proves that you know they they have a little bit of maturity and they have a little bit of staying power because there were a lot of moments I feel like for West where. Well, crap! We just got swept. You know, th- this might have been the sweep that really kind of put us out of the playoff picture, and then they stormed right back and, and had a good yeah. series the next week. So, I think to your point, Kendrick, I think you know, umpiring is, is huge in the playoffs, but it's it, even more huge maybe is how teams handle if it's not going their way because you know everything is just so much more heightened you have to kind of stay even keeled even more than you do in district
2: but but if say for instance they're squeezing a big time pitcher yeah and uh one of those flamethrowers from, from 5 6 a they don't got no backup really where 6 6 guy got a solid guy mm. doing some of the same thing, so it's gonna yep. go into the 6 6 district's favor Especially you guys from Allen. They got all that depth.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kendrick, you mentioned Allen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we can now kind of transition to looking at their series against Byron Nelson. Because I'll just say straight up, like, I am fascinated at what this Allen team <laughs> is going to do this this postseason, regardless of how long, how short it lasts. I mean, I this this Allen team is so captivating just because, like, I mean, you and I have talked about this, Taylor. Like, it's not Every week we talk it's, about it's it. It's nothing that's just going to blow you Every away. Week. But it is so effective. Every week we come in the office, like, do like, oh, Allen won,
3: won two more baseball games last week. Like, it's. It's
1: literally you could break out the baseball cliche Rolodex and just like just every single one applies to this Allen team. I think it's just a uh, it's a case where when you're a team that really thrives on pitching and defense mm-hmm. like this Allen team does because they are you're solid be in, in both games. areas. Yeah, because like be in games. you can have the big bats, but you know you can't like those aren't as constant as pitching and defense are going to be. You can rely on if you're a mm-hmm. strong defensive ball club, you know that you're at least going to have a fighting chance just right. about every time that you're out there. And that and that bore out as you look through mm-hmm. Allen's schedule. They I mean they did not get swept by any, you nope. know, in any series, and they didn't, I mean, outside of, I think, outside of one against, uh, their first game against denton Geyer, that was the only game where, like, a team, like, took it to them. Outside right. of that, they were in every single game.
2: Do, do, you, do you think they'd have outside pressure with what that school's done? To, that would look really bad. Win district and not have a deep, deep, playoff run with all mm-hmm. the state titles. You think that's a little extra Maybe, pressure? Maybe,
3: but I, I don't know if I necessarily see it, because I think that, that people over at Allen... Are, are also realistic about, and no, I, I don't want to. I don't
2: want to. Has so They're realistic.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they're realistic about uh, maybe baseball, and, I, and that sounds weird, but I think that I think that they understand what they have. I think they understand that they're good, but I don't think anybody expects this team. Uh, maybe outside no, internally, of... Internally, no, they didn't. Internally, like, so yes. I mean, it's a program that... Internally, that's, it's yes. definitely...
1: I mean, they went three rounds deep last yeah. year. Like, yeah. They were accustomed to, like, even... Yeah. despite it, it, Despite the up-and-down season this year, like, head coach Paul Coe has been adamant all year. I mean, no, we expect to be competing right. for a district right. championship. Like, that's just, that's just what you do here at Allen. So, yeah. I mean, now that they're in the playoffs, I mean, yeah, even though the schedule might not have been... They weren't just winning every game, you know, by eight to ten
3: right. runs. Internally, I think that they expect themselves to go on a run, but I think maybe externally, yeah. and at least you know, for, for us, and I know we're as far removed as you can get, but mm-hmm. at the at the same time, I think that the expectations for this team should be a little more maybe realistic, but to your point, Kendrick, you know, things aren't always realistic <laughs> it, It's over a lot of sports. So, so, yeah, I, I mean maybe, maybe, but I think if, if they go into the playoffs, putting that kind of pressure on themselves, saying, well, you know crap, you know, football and, and basketball and we have to mm-hmm. do the same thing, I think if you go in with that kind of attitude, then you're setting yourself up to fail maybe immediately because I think that's that's a, a really awful way to approach a postseason and a long postseason like baseball where yeah. you know every round could conceivably be three games when you approach a postseason that long and, and that grueling and, and where you have to be so even keeled if you go in immediately with okay we have this huge monkey on our back that we have to get to state and try to win this thing because we're Allen then it's not going to happen I can guarantee you it's not going to happen
1: yeah, and Allen's not a, uh, it's not like they're a program that's always, that's ever flirted with state championship contention. Like, their deepest playoff run was back in 05 when they went four rounds deep. Right, so and then, that's what I mean. Like, yeah.
3: I, I think I could see a deep run from this team, but I don't know if state, outside of the team, mm-hmm. because obviously when you, you're you on the team and you get in the playoffs, your expectation is, you know, we're going to win out yeah. and we're going to do this. But outside of the team, I think maybe the expectations are a little bit more tempered than maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the the Allen football team, because clearly that's a a, a different level of Expectation and okay, we're in the playoffs. This is the real season. Now we have to go win state because we're Allen football. Mm-hmm. I think the they're at slightly different levels, and I think there are expectations, but maybe not quite like. Okay, you know, we're Allen football. We we have to go win state or this was a complete failure of a year.
1: With um yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. So, so I mean, yeah, it should be fascinating against the byron Nelson team, which like we said earlier, they have a, they had a run differential of zero in district play, a just a weird, weird team, but by that same accord they were they were competitive. I mean, they had a very a very backloaded schedule. Yeah. If you just look over it, they played South Lake, L D Bell and Marcus to round out the irregular season. They went mm-hmm. two and four against those teams but were competitive in just about every game.
3: Yeah, I have ridden down, yeah, I yeah. think I they got
1: a win, they got wins against Marcus and LD Bell, so it's yeah. certainly not a. I and mean, then
3: the three one and one nothing games you mentioned against South yeah. Lake. Like I have literally have written down, Byron Nelson may give Allen more trouble than than you would think because it just. They, I haven't seen them play.
1: I, I, I was, I, I saw them last Tuesday against Wiley. Wiley, which finished last in District Six A, won two games, and Allen beat them 1-0 in a game that was pretty much just neck and neck, except with the exception of like a three at bat stretch for Allen. Uh, you know, Taj Bickham singled to lead off an inning. Sam Haywood lays down a sacrifice bunt. Mason Laplante singles to score. Uh, to that score sounds Bickham. like
3: the series against West uh, yeah. that I saw. That was, I think that might have been the only time I saw Allen live this mm-hmm. year. But their sweep of West, the game that I saw was just like that. It was like it's kind of just ho-hum, neck-and-neck, everybody, nothing's really going on. all of a sudden, like, oh, Allen scored two or three somehow. Like, they just kind of scratched out two or three, and now they're just going to pitch and and play defense their way to to this win again.
2: One thing I think people are overlooking is the West Boyd mm-hmm. Allen talking, all they do is win but that comes in handy because especially in this the way these, this, that district is mm-hmm. like you gotta win at least one game other than getting swept by Allen mm-hmm. Boyd won at least one game that's why they're yeah, there yeah. but in the way this, this series goes it definitely helps mm-hmm. all these teams because yep. they're used to playing where every like they literally scratching and calling so that's how one of them can get on the mm-hmm. run and yeah. beat one of these teams that got these power arms yeah. and like how'd they beat them they've been in, in the, in the I, I, I called it in one of my articles The Black and Blue mm-hmm. District 668 It is, yeah. it's,
1: just, it's a murderer's row for sure Let's round out with a quick look at, uh, at Plano And um, what they have looking ahead Man just pour out of forty for poor Plano senior <laughs> at the start of the year because I do remember like at the start of the year, head coach Rick Robertson specifically mentioned like we just we, we want to do something. We want to not be in yeah. Fourth. We don't want to be in fourth. Like this is Plano has been as consistent as it gets. They have the longest active playoff streak of any team in 6 6 a This is the eighth straight year that they've made the postseason. And this is a program that once upon a time they went a de- they went an entire decade without a playoff berth <laughs> in the during the uh, you know the 2000s. I mean so they've I mean yeah they've morphed into just this model of consistency. But these past uh, this is now the fourth straight year that they're going to enter as the four seed. And <laughs> in years past, though, it was you know they've had you know seasons where they've had to really scrape, you know, scrape, scrape uh, scratch and claw, I should say, to get into that last playoff spot. But for this season, I mean, they were in the top two, oh, it top felt three, like or it six. Say, yeah. just about every step district.
4: until
3: like last it, week. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Could, yeah,
1: you could make a case that like two thirds of the way, that Plano was the weeks, best team in the yeah, district. Yeah, two
3: or three weeks ago, I was like, you know, Plano might just mess yeah. around and win this entire district because I I still was not convinced about Allen mm-hmm. and and Plano was playing well, and everything was so tight. It was like, and uh, looking at, you know, the remaining schedule for all the teams, I mean, Allen had a, a pretty soft back half of their schedule as well, but... But still, I was, you know, there was a lot of days where I came in and, and was just looking at the standings and the stories and the gamers and game changer, and was like, man, I could really see Plano like finally doing this.
1: And then they just they ran into a uh, just a, a three game losing streak at the worst possible time. They lost a, uh, the back half of their series to McKinney Boyd, and then they got swept by Plano West. And those three games, they were without a you know a couple well, a couple key players, primarily in you know, that West shortstop, game
3: was crazy too. Primarily,
1: shortstop Braley Hollins, who's their leadoff hitter, and you know, we're just I know it's baseball is a little bit different from like mm-hmm. football or basketball. Well, you can overcome the loss of one player, but when you're a player like Hollins, whose specific role yeah. is the is kind of the anchor of the uh, of the infield plus the leadoff hitter, right. I mean, that's a very specific role. That's a little bit tougher to replace. Yeah. How long has he been out? Um, he was he's back. He came back, you know, for um you know for the uh, for the Plano East series, but he missed those three games oh, with right. uh, with what was a calf issue. So, you know, it's I mean, obviously, yeah, rough, tough timing there. Plus, they were without their uh you know their Friday starter, Bo Leonard. It just it's hard too. because that a really, too, a really strong about,
3: year? You think about the way they ended the season, and you really, if you're them, which I mean, it's over now. You're in the four seed. You have to look forward, but if you're going to look back and, and even pick, it's it's tough to pick one game because the, the culmination of the district is much more than one loss, but I think you really have to point at that 9-8 oh, yeah. loss to West did, when you were up 7 nothing, I think, yeah. and then West came all the way back to win 9-8. How much
1: did Colby Kobe, Kobe Hemphill for Plano West just swing the entire balance oh, of District 6 6 thing Yeah,
3: because he had that game against Plano, yeah. and then the, the next Tuesday um, I, which I think I even wrote in my gamer yeah. from that game, he had the, the the walk-off hit yeah. so it just but yeah if you're Plano you have to be sitting there like man how did we it was there you, you end, up, you end <laughs> up in a tie for a second too yeah you win that, they one had that game, chance and then they, it they lost that been fine.
1: they lost it was a, that was a weird game too on Saturday just looking coming through the uh, through the numbers Plano out hit uh, West eight to four and West committed two errors to Plano zero and yet West won four to two West won four to two despite having four hits weird, weird game, and that was kind of the uh, that's kind of been the story of I this. I think there's uh, going
3: to be several where you could look back if you're playing, which like I said, mm-hmm. now internally you can't, because you know what, you are where you are, yeah. you're playing who you're playing, you got to go play South Lake, and that it is what it is, but if you're going to maybe do a post-mortem, even after this playoff run, you're looking back at your district, there's going to be three or four head-scratchers where you're like, yeah. man, how did we not just there's four or five games we can point to where that maybe could have been the extra win, that maybe could have been the extra win, so I know that feeling, and it's, it's going to be a, a rough one, especially looking back at that West game.
1: And like these years when Plano's been the fourth seed, it's not like they've drawn a district champion. That was just a uh, you know like a paper champion yeah, or anything. Right. No, they drew Keller two right. years. The Keller teams that went at least four rounds deep both seasons. And then last year they lost to Southlake, and Southlake went to the state semifinals. Yeah. Now Plano did drag them to three games last year. That is worth noting. And it's not the same Southlake team. Southlake, like, you know they've they didn't go uh, They had Some g-
3: weird losses. Yeah, yeah They didn't that, go undefeated in district. they
1: lost to uh, they lost to LD Bell. They to lost Lewisville. to Louisville. I mean, it's it's. They
3: lost six nothing to Louisville, I mm-hmm. think. So I mean, that's just a weird. They have kind of, they have some weird, some weird losses that just kind of make you say like, how did you know? How did that happen? Mm-hmm. And it just I don't know. It's it's weird, and I think it points to, it points to your point um, that that district is a lot like six six A, and that everybody kind of beat up on everybody. Mm-hmm. Like everybody kind of took a game off somebody else here, a game off somebody else there, and, and you ended up the way you ended up. But Southlake is definitely not infallible. I think that you know, Plano has a, a shot, but it's an uphill climb obviously. One you thing, get in if you, and four seed.
1: If you put any stock into just how like, you know, how your team's success, you know, in the first half of these home and home series versus mm-hmm. the second half. Right. Um, you know, both of South Lake's losses in district came on The first leg of mm-hmm. like their home and home series, so it would. It depends. Obviously, you're not playing on Tuesdays and Fridays anymore, so who knows how South Lake will structure its yeah. Uh, and sometimes
3: it's you flip them and dip, yeah. dip. Sometimes you flip them and throw your your guy, mm-hmm. your ace, your Friday guy in the first game to, to try to get out and, and all that stuff. So yeah, playoff series are different, mm-hmm. but it's you know maybe yeah. they maybe there's some sort of thing with with South Lake that they don't you know, perform well in the first game of a series, just period, no matter who it mm-hmm. is. So I haven't looked back through. Who started all the games that they lost and, and those weird losses that I talked about But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. if, I think if To your point, if Plano's going to have a chance I think you need to get out Rolling, I think you need to come out Say open Thursday, Yeah, yeah, I think you have to come out Thursday and you have to win and you have to be like Okay, you know, we're here, now we have Two shots mm-hmm. to win one instead of You know, two shots to win two
1: so um, so yeah, that's kind of a look at just at least 6-6A. We're going to have Justin Thomas on later on, and he will look at a little bit on Marcus and what they bring to the table in 5-6A. So later in the week when we preview Class 5A, one of the teams that we're going to touch on obviously is Lake Dallas, which plays second in District 14-5A, in large part thanks to a, a spectacular year pitching for Mason Meeks, and uh, Kendrick was out at a Lake Dallas last week to chat with Mason um, in advance of the postseason. As the uh, as the latest subject of our Fast Forward rewind student-athlete spotlight, and uh, here what Mason had to say.
2: Ken Johnson coming to you once again with a fast-forward rewind. This week, we're in Lake Dallas with their stud right-hander, Mason Meeks. Mason, give us some insight to your season this year.
5: Um, Well, as a team, it's been a really good season. Uh, We've been able to capitalize on our offense, and our defense is always solid. So whenever I pitch, I feel like I have a strong defense behind me to keep me in shape.
2: Is it going to be common to the fact that they expect you to go out there and get the win and they ride on you as the ace? Well,
5: as last year, I, I, that was my expectations. Um, and this year, it's the same as it was last year. I have to go out and give my best and give my team the best chance to win. And my defense helps me do that every game. On a team
2: perspective, does it kind of feel um, gratifying the fact that nobody really was picking you at the beginning of the year? Y'all just been steady beating everybody and gave Prosper all they wanted.
5: Yeah, I mean... Um, We as a team, and myself personally, we love being underdogs. We were the underdogs when we made our playoff run two years ago, and we were the underdogs again this year. We were expected to get fourth in district, and we ended up at second, possibly getting the district championship, and that uh, feeling of being an underdog is what keeps the fire going.
2: What is your confidence level um, now that playoffs are right around the corner for um, uh, next week coming up?
5: Uh, It's really high. Everyone's excited, especially since we, we missed playoffs last year. Everyone's real uh, hyped up for going to playoffs this year. We got a bunch of young guys and juniors that weren't on varsity two years ago when we did. So they were, we, everyone was here whenever we missed playoffs and the feeling that we get from that. And that was really what fueled our fire this whole season and what's going to fuel our fire continuing after this.
2: Got you. Talk about the team camaraderie because it seems like that plays a role in you your success on the field, the fact that y'all get along off the field.
5: Yes, sir. Our uh, chemistry is um, probably the best of any team I've ever played for, summer or school. And um, I feel like that's what keeps us together. Um, we have team bonding every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. And I truly believe that um, having a good team and teammates that trust in you and um, feel that you're, you're truly one of their friends, that you will be a better team.
2: How big a deal is to make a run and leave a legacy so that people are talking about y'all eight, ten years from now?
5: Well, it's always fun to come back and I'd see there's seniors in the past that everyone knows their name and everyone knows what they did that certain season and it's always great to leave a legacy and have memories left behind you whenever you leave.
2: Does it feel good the fact that you're dang going to be in that in that group? People will be talking about you yes, sir. years down the road?
5: Yes, sir. It feels great.
2: What, uh, what, what's your, what's your pitch combination? Somebody well, somebody's never seen you pitch, what are you, what you breaking? What's been your most effective pitch this year that's got you on this um, good trend?
5: Uh, fastball. I've always been a fastball-dominant pitcher. I was last year, and I'm here again, but I've been able to... Um, improve on my curveball and changeup that really weren't very good last year, and that's really been been able to be confident on both sides of the plate with every pitch, has been able to um, keep me in the game like I have.
2: What's been your best game on the mound so far this year?
5: Uh, truly, I believe it would probably be my game against Little Elm last week. Uh, I I thought I pitched pretty well. It's a good team. We all we have is good teams in our district, so every game's a challenge. But last week, I feel like I was able to execute all my pitches very well. And um, my defense helped me out behind me.
2: Um, from a team perspective, what was that game that you like, hey, not only can we go to the playoffs, we could do some damage this year. Like, we know we're just as good. It's like, you know, it's, it's a good thing to think you can beat people, but when you know you can beat them, it's a whole different ballgame.
5: Probably the game against um, McKinney North. That, that is our game in tournaments against Louisville. Louisville's a really good team. McKinney North is a really good team. And we were just able to put it, put it on them early and keep them down and uh, win a ball game. And that's when we knew that we were strong. We weren't expected to be strong, and we weren't even sure if we were going to be strong. But whenever we were able to execute, that's when we truly knew.
2: So we got beat them twice. What, what was that feeling of beating McKinney North twice and sweep that series, oh. and nobody saw that coming?
5: No, McKinney North was supposed to be the 24th uh, team in the state at the in preseason, and us going into game one, winning that, the first one, and then going into game two um, looking for another win and getting it was a great feeling, especially last year when we got swept by McKinney North in extra innings on Friday. It was a great feeling to be able to sweep them right back.
2: So how does it feel to get that redemption? A beat like That that theme, it's like y'all getting redemption on, on all these teams. I does it feel to, to kind of have that redemption tour that y'all had after last year?
5: Um. Like I said before, being an underdog, no one really expects you to be as good as you are, and when you get that redemption, whenever you sweep a team you got swept by last year, it's, got a, it's a great feeling.
2: Now that now that your season, senior season is almost over with and stuff, what's some memories you going to take away from this season and just playing baseball here at Lake Dallas?
5: Uh, team bonding with the team is always fun. I mean, the comeback, comeback season after last year, is, I'm always going to remember that, um, but more than anything, I'm going to be able to remember playing with my brothers right next to me. I mean, every one of them I consider one of my brothers, my best friends, and I get to play a game with them that I love every single day.
2: What are you going to do next year for, for people trying to keep up with you? Where are you going to be going, and, and what got you to sign on that dotted line?
5: Um, I signed with uh, Drew University in Springfield, Missouri. Um, Mr. Kate Griffiths, um, the owner of DBAT, and a close family friend of ours, um, he was able to hook me up with a game at Battle of the Borders with DBAT. And um, I got some exposure there. And ever since then, I had more offers than I had before. And that's really where I got my my recruiting from.
2: Who's the other people that, had, that you had offers from?
5: I had an offer from Washtenaw Baptist and Pittsburgh State. So, does it feel
2: good the fact that you that you were wanted by the colleges to take your game to the next level?
5: Yes, sir. The recruiting process is one of the best feelings you can feel. Be, being wanted by by schools is amazing.
2: How's that? How's that? Uh, um, individual success carried on the field this year, like getting recruited and stuff. Because some people they feel especially some people they thought like, hey, I'm a deep, I'm a I'm a high level pitcher. I'm a college pitcher. So, so what, what was your mindset?
5: Well, my mindset's always that you need to get better. You have success and you can't just lay off because then that's when people pass you. And being recruited and having that weight off my shoulders, that gave me more focus to completing the season that's ahead of me and being successful game in and game out
2: which y'all uh, with this being our coach second year how does it feel the fact that y'all laying that foundation for future falcon programs and they know like it's not like next year it's going to be expected you know y'all gonna be a new district and everything and a lot of y'all going to be moved on in college but it's gonna be expected to do this how does that feel the fact that y'all change the culture around here for for the for the better and for permanently
5: well culture is a big thing within um, the program and our coaching staff um, we practice with our jvs we don't Practice separate, so we have to basically mentor the guys below us and make sure that the program after us is better than it we left it.
2: So I feel the fact that it's better than it was when you found it.
5: Uh, looking back, when I'm in college, looking back on the um, guys that were left behind me and seeing them succeed would probably be, be be a better feeling, knowing that I helped mentor them and my teammates helped mentor them. Um, after we left, for the, leave them with success.
2: Who's two or three key players on your team that don't get the shine that somebody like you do? Everybody see you putting up all these zeros and getting a one-one a game. Who's some guys that on your team that, that that deserves a shine that nobody talks about?
5: Well, I believe guys that are um, overlooked. Guys like Kyle York. He's a he's a catcher that was able to move to second base to fill a spot that we needed to be filled. He's a very uh, utility guy. Hits the ball hard every time. Ryan Hole, our left fielder, he's a very fast dude and hits the ball very well as well. He, I don't, I haven't heard about very much recruiting of him, but if anything, he should be very much. And uh, our center fielder, Ryan Depper Schmidt, uh, he's also our quarterback, so he's a two-sport athlete and he's great at both. And day in day out, he's he works hard and he just does his best to participate and. Uh, help the team out in any way you can.
2: Did The football team's good season this year kind of set the tone for y'all. Cause I know I know other schools that it couldn't seem to be a thing. Like football have a good season and people take that that excitement yeah. and kind of carry on into that sport. Is that what happened here in Lake Dallas? Uh,
5: I believe a, a portion of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, two years ago we made our district run. Our football team also went five rounds deep, and the the attention that football got, we wanted to, and so we wanted to work and we wanted to get the stands to fill. Normally we don't this year. It's, it's filled. Guys want to come to the game and it's an awesome feeling when you got a crowd behind you.
2: you want to give a shout out to Falcon Nation?
5: Uh, LD Nation forever. I'll be a Falcon forever. Uh, never die.
2: And what's the message you want? To, somebody seen this video that, man, well, how Lake Dallas school are these games? and What's the message you want to let, let people know about, about y'all team and about what y'all represent out here in Lake Dallas? Uh,
5: never sleep on the underdog. I mean, we're a borderline 4A school playing big 5A schools and we're able to play just as well against them, even 6A schools like Louisville. And just work hard and do the best you can every game. and. Be a good
1: teammate. Big thanks to Mason Meeks for taking the time to chat with Kendrick for the Fast Forward Rewind Student Athlete Spotlight. So um, to round out, uh, I guess the back half of this podcast, we've tagged out Kendrick, tagged in Justin Thomas, who's the sports editor for our Denton County papers. You know, Justin, we uh, we talked a lot about 66A for the first half of the podcast. Um, obviously, you have one of those, uh, one of the teams that's going to be in that by district uh, mashup later on this week with Marcus. Yeah. As they take on uh, as they take on Plano West. You know, we talked extensively about how West kind of got here. But, obviously, Marcus having to, you know, scratch, scratch and claw just to be the lone Louisville Einstein yeah. representative, which is... That still feels so weird to say that Louisville Einstein yeah. had one team in the baseball playoffs. I know. But it's
4: weird baseball playoffs starting without Flower Mound there. That's never happened since I've been here. And I was trying to do a little research, yeah. and I sent an email to the... The first coach at Flower Mound, but didn't hear back from him. But as far as I can tell, this might be the first year that they've ever missed the playoffs. Wow. So, definitely weird there. And, you know, we were used to seeing Hebron in there. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, but only Marcus this year. And they had to finish pretty good mm-hmm. to, to get in. They went 6-2 and two down the stretch in district to, uh, to finish third and get into this matchup with West. So... Uh, but yeah, pretty good uh, close to the season for the Marauders. They're you know one of only two teams that beat uh, Southlake Carroll, the district mm-hmm. champion in, yep. in district action. So they had a big win there, and like I said, they went six and two down the stretch, including a sweep of uh, Flower Mound. You know that started with a wild game. So they're playing pretty well, and they have uh, their top two pitchers are both coming out dominant performances. Uh, they swept Eulis Trinity to finish the season, and uh, Blake Mayfield struck out thirteen mm. on Tuesday in the game one win. And then Justin Klein Sorgi threw a no hitter in game two, mm-hmm. so both of those guys are throwing pretty well heading into the playoffs.
1: How does because this is a Marcus program that I mean they're accustomed to playoff success. They went right. four rounds yeah, deep last year. Last year, how does um I'm I mean, it feels like they've probably not maybe not at that level this season though, but still a program that yeah. can conceivably get on a run. Yeah, definitely,
4: right. definitely with the way those guys are throwing, and then the uh, the top of their lineup has been hitting pretty well. Okay. They they averaged uh you know five little over five runs in mm-hmm. district, so not the most juggernaut offensive lineup, at least statistically, of course, you know, facing good pitchers yeah, night in, night out in 5-6-8, but uh, Blake Coven, Mitchell Dixon, Zach Jordan, Blake Mayfield, all those mm-hmm. guys hitting in the middle of the lineup are more than capable of, you know, getting hot and you know, carrying this team along with that pitching staff that's been throwing well.
1: So then let's quickly then shift gears to look at uh, look at Region 2. we got a few teams out in Region 2, um, specifically between districts 9-6A, 10-6A, and 11-6A. Um, you know, we just talked about a program that's, you know, plenty accustomed to having high expectations come playoff time on the uh, baseball diamond. Look at nine six a, and I mean yeah. it doesn't get more uh, star studded of the year and year out than Capel. Yeah. I mean the Cowboys just rampaging through District nine six a once again. I'm sure they, yeah. the uh, bar is extremely high for Coach uh, or head coach Kendall Clark and his clubs. Just um, talk a little bit about the Cowboys and yeah. how they're feeling right now entering the playoffs. Well, they
4: went as you said they rolled through nine six a. They went a perfect fourteen and zero, and they um, averaged more than eight runs per game in District. Ooh. They uh, kind of their schedule was kind of top heavy. They played yeah. you know the tougher teams right off the bat, so they haven't had. Uh, too much tough competition um, as of late, although Dallas Skyline actually gave them a, a decent game, but um, kind of to supplement that, i have kind of looking, and they played a pretty uh, challenging kind of non-district schedule on Saturdays mm-hmm. during the district season. I know they had games against, you know, Plano West that you mentioned, a couple of playoff teams in Frisco, Lone Star and Wakeland, so they've been kind of playing some tough teams mm-hmm. to kind of keep that level of competition up while they've kind of played some of the lower-rung teams in district over the last half here, so... Um, but as you said, uh, as we were kind of talking about getting ready for this, you know, expectations are real high at Coppell, and this is a team that, you know, for all the talent they've had, for some reason, you know, they've only made it past the third round, I think twice in the past 10 years. So, uh, coming in, ranked number three (laughs) in the state, going into the playoffs, and, you know, running through a pretty strong district pretty easily, so um, expectations have to be very high there, um. You know, Coppell's kind of led in the on the mound by Ace Ryan Gunter. Ray Gunter, he's oh, yeah. an LSU signee yep. that uh, actually talked with uh, our coworker Kendrick on the podcast, I believe, a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. But he's a uh, he's an ace. He's going to LSU second year in a row. They've had a player go to LSU, uh, but the impressive thing about Capel is they they are pretty much you know eight nine deep on the mound. So they've been stretching guys out, and they have you know different looks they can bring all over the place: lefties, righties, hard throwers. You know. Kind of more junk pitchers. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of different ways they could match up with you, and I think that's something that's going to really benefit them in the in the playoffs. They get the uh,
1: the sneaky uh, the sneaky suspect uh, one game playoff series yeah. to start, which <laughs> you know you would you would trust. I mean, obviously, if you're a four seed going against a one seed, yeah. you know you'll take your chances in a one game series if you yeah. can. You know, obviously, you just mentioned that pitching just to try to do what you can to like yeah. limit the amount of uh, limit what Capel could throw your exactly. way.
4: Exactly. So I don't know exactly what Naaman Forrest has, but. Yeah. Um, None of these Capel players were around, but I remember when I kind of first yeah. started working here, Capel was ranked first in the state one year, and they got a one-game series in the by district round, and Grapevine came out and upset them and wow. ruined their chances right it. off the bat, so... You do a little see, scary yeah. Those one you do gamers. see, an,
1: uh, if, if you're if you're going to spring an upset in the playoffs, obviously, yeah. yeah I mean, if in a one game scenario, it really does boil down to anything can happen, you know, versus a series where the best team wins right, the series yeah. more times than not. Um, but I'd be pretty shocked if. Koppel oh yeah, does absolutely. That, that would be, goes down here. Um, I mean, know. yeah, Capel's carries t- like a 28 and four record yeah. into this matchup. Neiman Force is 10 and 17. Everything says this should be yeah. a run rule. This should be over in five innings. But yeah. we'll see, you know.
4: Capel's been scoring yeah. eight runs per game in district, and you know they're the top of their lineup is very dangerous they, I think they have 5 players that have hit homers mm-hmm. like 6 players that have double digit extra base yeah. hits so they're pretty, uh, pretty versatile all around pitching defense and batting so I would be shocked if Naming Forrest pulls this off. But one game, you never know. Yeah.
1: Let's then look at uh, at least a couple of the other matchups between these uh, these two districts pertaining to a couple schools out in Garland ISD. We usually have Devin Hassan <laughs> along for this portion of the podcast. Unfortunately, Devin's a little under the weather, I am Devin so today. we're having to. Yeah, <laughs> me and Taylor are going to have to quarterback the uh, you know for uh, for Devin's schools the rest of the way. So let's let's at least look at uh, look at District Ten Six A. Yeah. You know the the top uh, I believe the top two teams in that in that district. Is that how it finished? Uh, oh. No,
3: actually Rowlett and uh, Lakeview Centennial I believe tied for the two seed, okay. but Lakeview Centennial had the head-to-head, okay. so I think Rowlett actually enters the playoffs as the number three seed, despite having the same finish. record, but I think they're the number three seed, and yep. Sachse, uh won the district, which is flip-flop from last year when I believe Rowlett won the district mm-hmm. and Sachse came in second, so um, those two teams have, have kind of flip-flopped a little bit, but yeah, Rowlett will be the three-seed and, and Sachse took 10 6 8.
1: Let's start with that uh, that one-seed uh, Saxie. Mm-hmm. you know the, uh, the Mustangs looked the, looked the part as far as district champions go, they opened right. up against uh, four-seed Lake Highlands, just talk a little bit about what you've been able to gather on Sachse as they prepare for their postseason run.
3: I think the important part is is what you mentioned in opening up with a, a four-seed, I think Lake Highlands is like 7-7, seven and seven, so 500. Um, and I think that's that's going to be important for Sachse, who didn't get past, made the playoffs last season, didn't get past the by-district round. Um, so I think they're one of those teams maybe that, uh, I don't want to say they didn't deserve to win district, because obviously mm-hmm. they ran through district ten six a but one of those teams that you don't really know a whole lot about because maybe the district isn't as as stiff as, you know, 6-6A or, yeah. or, or, you know, a, a, a league like that. So, um, yeah, I think the important thing is that they avoided... Um, you know some of the better teams uh, opposite them in 96A, and we'll have uh, Lake Highlands. Uh, they won district, only lost a single game uh, to Rallet, but it was a seven to one loss. So maybe that's a little a little eye opening, either you know about either team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the only game that actually dropped uh, in district play. Uh, had some big preseason wins, um, including one over McKinney Boyd. But I think it was before we talked a little bit in the first half of the podcast how Boyd really found its footing. Uh, later on so I don't know how much you can read into them beating Boyd I think it was like literally like March 2nd or 3rd Mm -hmm. so I don't know how much you can read into that win I mean still a good program obviously in Boyd but maybe not the same Boyd team that, that is heading into the playoffs now. Uh, they also beat Plano West, I believe, which is a little later in the season. That's a pretty good win. Um, but then lost, I think, to Plano thirteen to six, maybe. Okay. Uh, the four seed and six six A. So that yes. gives you a little bit of a little pause of you know how good Sexy might might really be. But um, so yeah, maybe not you know the strongest district or the strongest district champion. But but drawing um, a seven and seven Lake Highlands team uh, and and having a little momentum heading into the playoffs should hopefully help them you know if you're you know a Saxe fan hopefully that's a good setup to try to get past the the by district round and and make a little bit of a run
1: saxy trying to i mean they've uh, getting to the playoffs hasn't been uh, hasn't been the problem for Saxe. it's getting yeah. past they're um, they're yet to get past the second round yep. in their history so we shall see And if, haven't uh,
3: been is it 13 14 the last time they even got to the second round i think is yes. that right yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so they it's been a
1: while it's been a while since they've got so past that for, that it uh,
3: sets up nicely though yeah. you would think if you're, you're saxy so you'd like if you're, you're going to make one versus a four run, but yeah
1: we shall uh, we shall see how about uh, how about Ralet as they draw they draw a one, yeah, of, one of the saltier teams in I was, was, was going to say
3: Ralet is probably much uh, is if you could argue that Saxy maybe is a little worse than a typical one seed Ralet's I think a little better maybe than a typical three seed uh, obviously ended up there due to tiebreakers. really could have been a the two, same seed. About being
4: yeah, yeah, two seed the same Jesuit exactly well
3: but Jesuit if Saxey drew well, then Rowlett drew very yeah. poorly because Jesuit, I think, twelve and two only losses to Capel. Yeah, and they were both um, I think
4: three a three run game and yeah, a four run game. Yeah, so, so ran through
3: the district just like Capel and only lost to the Cowboys. Uh, so Rowlett, who won uh, District Ten Six A last year, but I think lost. Basically everything, and uh, coming back, so good for them to to make it back to the the playoffs. They blew out the teams they should have in district. You know, took care of business except for the losses to Lakeview that ended them in the, mm-hmm. the third seed, which could prove important because you know that's obviously the difference between playing um, <laughs> Jesuit or not Jesuit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which which is very important. It seems like in the in these districts, so. Um, but, yeah, Relette I think, may just run into a buzzsaw in Jesuit. I, I think they had a good season. I think they had a good rebound after losing um, a lot of players. I, I can't remember. I think they returned three starters, maybe, Relette. So, you know, that's kind of how you end up going from winning district to dropping down into the second or third seed and then third seed depending on tiebreakers. So an area team last year, but but definitely a tough road trying to get through 12-2 and two Jesuit who returned basically everyone uh, very mature, very experienced. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, a tough road for LA, but uh, a bounce back year, I think, either way, with with what they lost and, and making the playoffs. And we'll see see if something you know crazy can happen. You never know.
1: Then let's uh, let's round this out with a quick look at I guess the lone, uh, lone by-district match that we have from our markets for 11-6A. Just one school out of Mesquite ISD made the cut. That is Mesquite Horn. The Jaguars with the four seed out of 11-6A. Didn't have to sweat out, you know, I think as far as the playoff berth goes. They were able to finish four games ahead of uh, fifth place Longview. So They finished with a 9-5 and five record, um, two games back of, uh, of a tie for second between Tyler Lee and Rockwall. Um, you know, unfortunately for the Jaguars, this means that they do draw a district champion, and that district champion is 212 miles away in Conroe, <laughs> Oak Ridge. So it's not a program that, you know, just like it's this case when it, for every bi district, you know, mm-hmm. matchup between 11 6A and 12 6A because the districts are so far apart. Right. There's no commonality between, you know, opponents or anything like that. So you just have to, you know, kind of work off of, you know, Oak Ridge. When you think of Oak Ridge, you think of the Woodlands. I mean, that's traditionally a strong baseball district. You know, Oak Ridge has, you know, mean they're one of, I think they're number 17 in the state, according to TXHighSchoolBaseball.com. Baseball.com. As far as, you just mentioned, you know, Rowley. Rebounding from a year mm-hmm. where they, um, you know, lost a lot to graduation, it's kind of been the opposite for uh, for Mesquite Horn. You know, they've had uh, they they returned eight starters from this year's team, and they're um, just looking at least over kind of how they got to this point. I mean, the uh, the pitching has been really solid. They have you know their Tuesday starter Ryan Puyer. He's um, he's thrown at least six innings in every district game, so they got a bit of an Iron Man there on the on the uh, on the mound to go on Tuesdays, and then on uh, Kyle Quinn is a returning All District pitcher. You know, he's been their Friday starter. Um, elsewhere, you know, you've got a guy like. Chandler Arnold, who's you know riding a five-game hitting streak. I mean, it's a team that's playing well. They were really competitive um, to close out the season against the district champion Rockwall Heath. You know, only lost you know scores of two-zero and three-to-one. Um, he's one of the better teams in the area, and I believe they're ranked number five in the state. He's so always it's, good. That's yeah. just
3: one of the. It's like Capel. It's like Heath is always going to be up there. Always going to be good. So anytime you can mm-hmm. be competitive with them, that's. A good sign, no matter you know, pretty much no matter what season, no matter what year it is.
1: But yeah, it's just the unfortunate symptom of drawing a uh, drawing a district champion yep. and a uh, a quality one of that. So we shall see what the uh, you know what the Jaguars are able to do as far as potentially springing spring an upset that series, despite the schools being over 200 miles apart. They're not doing a neutral site for this game. One's going to be at Tillery Field in Mesquite on Thursday. Then game off game two and then potentially three will be down in Oak Ridge. Wow. So both teams having to make the uh, the 200 plus mile trip for this one. So that's um, that's a quick look at uh, what we have shaken out in Region 2 for Class 6A, and that will conclude this edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. Like I said, we'll be back on, uh, on Thursday to preview Class 5A before the postseason gets rolling uh, for real. So, uh, Taylor, Justin? Kendrick as well. Appreciate y'all for tagging along. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, folks, we'll be out covering these playoff series later on in the week. Uh, you can follow us all along on Twitter. Afterwards, everything from you know game stories, video highlights, rapid reaction podcasts you can watch, watch, listen to, all that good stuff at uh, starlocalsports.com. Otherwise, hey guys, appreciate y'all for tagging along. Appreciate y'all for giving this, uh, giving this podcast a listen. Y'all no rain talking. Thursday. Fingers crossed for no rain (laughs) Thursday, please. We don't need any chaotic schedules on Friday. Uh, Folks, y'all enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Thanks again to our sponsors, Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news.
0: Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com.